You're listening to Back to the Light with J.D. Rieger. Everybody, welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Light. I am your host, JD Rieger. With me on this episode is my friend, musician, producer, engineer, Ari Morris. Ari, thanks for having me at your secret studio in an underground bunker here. <laughs> oh man. Thanks for coming by, dude. Yeah, I was uh I saw that article going around uh that was done by Alex and the Flyer, and mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. You know, because we knew each other what? 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, man. We, I played, like, actively I played, hung out. I, I was a brief member of the Near Reaches. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the original Cindy. And the original Cindy. And, I mean, you played on my second solo record. You recorded some of it. Uh, we did some sessions together at the oh, U of M man, studio. We were, like, cutting timpanies, right? Yeah. Wow. We had some fun times. Dude, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but it's been a while. Yeah, it's been so, a while. And clearly, I mean, you moved to Chicago. You're back. I think I've seen you like twice since you got back. Yeah, I, I saw you at um, that Cooper Young Porch Fest. Right. I think it's the last time we saw each other. I'm kind of a hermit crab, man. Uh, me too. Me too. I I do this podcast, like 50% of it is forcing myself to get out and talk to people. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> <laughs> so, like... I mean, you've got gold records on the wall now. How the hell did you get from... Yeah, I was saying this off the air. Like, our last show that we played together, I think, was an original Cindy show at the Dairy. Right. Like, how did, how did, how did we get here? I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I really could. Like, how? I, I don't know, man. Just spending a lot of time in the studio, I guess. Like, I, I, right place, right time. Like... Yeah. I don't know, man. That's got to be more. I mean, like, how do you, it's like, you know, it's like being in the right place at the right time to like connect with artists in a way that makes music that becomes meaningful. Like, I don't know how you do that. You just kind of, well, I guess I was more, I mean, I was trying to be funny, but I wanted to, I wanted to, I know it. I got serious on you, but I want to hear about the journey. Um, but, but let's, let's start at the damn beginning because I know you're not from Memphis originally. No. Um, big family ish. Yeah. Ish. I got like a brother and a sister and parents and I got some cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff. Anybody else in the music biz? No. How did you get into it? Um, I really wanted to, (laughs) no, I mean, I started playing guitar when I was a kid. Um, and I started playing in bands and I was playing in a band in high school and I like started, we had to figure out how to get some demos cut. So I bought one of those, like, man, you probably remember like those digital eight track, the Tascams, the blue ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I bought one of those um, at Guitar Center and cut, like, my band's demo. And then I've always kind of had a little bit of hustler in me. So, like, I was like, hold on. Like, there's all these kids auditioning for, for music school. Like, I can record your demos. So I started cutting people's, um, like, college music school auditions and whatnot um, at, like, my band's practice spot. And then I ended up coming down to Memphis 
um and like started interning at a studio and like kind of fought my way up through that whole like system did you, you came here to go to recording school right yeah i went to the u of m um and that's where we cut a whole bunch of records and cool stuff um is that where you feel like i mean is that where you put the skills together or was it later in the intern process um i think it was kind of all like i swear i had no idea what we were doing when we did like stuff at the school you know what i mean eh, like i mean there's an element of that that i think is you know that makes things fun oh absolutely um and i still have no idea what i'm doing yeah um but like in a good way yeah in the best way yeah um but like yeah i mean it was like that and then really it was like the like man i was like i was lucky honestly is like with the intern pro like the intern system because like i ended up interning for some people that like really showed me how to do it and like was this Young Avenue? Yeah, it was a Young um, with Skip McQuinn, rest yeah. in peace, and then um, legendary yeah. figure of Memphis Studios, <sighs> the heavyweight, um, and then uh, uh, Neil Jones, the uh, uh, bass player, producer, mixer, um, who's you know a hell of a legend in, in Memphis music, and uh, you know, like I ended up working with him as his assistant for years, and I assisted Malcolm Springer for a little while. Um, did some crazy records with him and then like kind of during all of that like started linking with artists at like pivotal points in their career and like building connections you know what i mean yeah um because like i just kind of started running and you know i never really looked back did you always think you'd be because i think you're primarily known for hip-hop did you always think that would be the case i had no idea i mean i've been a hip-hop head forever like you know really east coast hip-hop but like i grew up on on hip-hop and heavy metal and like jersey hardcore you yeah. know so like i never i never expected to like help you know like be a, a part of like redefining trap music and like memphis trap with kind of the wave of artists that happened you know like the dolphin the money bag and the key glock and all of that like i never expected any of that but like I think it was like a natural meeting of of creative minds that like made something new you know what i mean yeah so were those guys like coming into young avenue or like how did you build those connections um yeah i mean dolph used to come by the studio and record and i would get tossed on the sessions and like you know just we kind of caught a vibe you would get tossed on them because no one else wanted to do them or like no, how did that get, work i would get tossed on them because i was like the the requested engineer at the oh, studio that's cool you know um like most of the time if people were calling back then it was like to book me that's got to be a good feeling yeah it was fun back then i we definitely worked with you in the b studio that is now a like airbnb or something over there yeah uh, yes we did we cut a couple of songs that ended up on a near reach's seven inch and then one of those songs ended up on my solo record also oh man I um I took that copy of that seven inch and I gave it to um the people that uh I like my band my first band used to rehearse in their like garage for years and they're like huge vinyl heads so it's in their collection which is pretty epic oh that's cool yes I can give you another one if you need it I would love another one yeah <laughs> I, I've I've got a couple sick <laughs> so um. 
I want to go back to the U of M recording program a little bit. Like what is, what is, what was that like coming, like entering in? Cause I know like when you first moved to Memphis, you didn't have a car, right? No. And you were riding the bus around. Yeah. Which is something that like, you know, you don't hear a lot from like, <laughs> from other that's musicians. Wild that, like that's something you remember. Yeah. <laughs> like, At, you're going all the way back. Well, I just, I remember being even back then being like super uh, impressed with how, because I mean you have to really want to do something to move thousands of miles away from home without a car and be willing to ride the bus all over a town that's not really geared for mass transit. Yeah, but like I didn't realize that because I'm an East Coast guy. You know, what I mean? like I grew like you up had... in Jersey, so... so like trains and buses were like a regular part of my existence. I didn't realize that the bus system here was like completely dysfunctional until I had to rely on it. I remember at the time you like trying to sell me on it. Like, no, man, it's not so bad. No, I mean it's you know. <laughs> It pretty much runs on schedule. <laughs> <laughs> so, how did you get, like, you go from U of M and, like, do they place you in an internship program no, or do I, you just have to go out and fight for it? I, like, I found my own way into yeah. stuff. Um, and, yeah, I, like, fought my way in and then just fought my way up the ladder. You know, it was like, I, I get this. And, like, you know, I was definitely a little aggressive at points, but, like, I just kind of, like, I don't know. I just wanted to do it. So I was, like, I'm going to figure out how to be better than everybody else. And, like, you know, really it was figuring out how to make myself useful to the guys that I was training under. Because the more useful I was, like, the more shit they told me. You know what I mean? Like, the more I was handy and the more I was around, like, the more wisdom I was catching from people who'd been in it for a long time. And, like, that's the wisdom that, like, helped me figure out how to actually work. Yeah. You know, because, like, studio business doesn't make any sense. And the music business makes no sense. And you kind of have to, like, figure out how to, like, make it work for you. Yeah. I was just talking with someone uh, who said that, you know, the business is designed to, to make money for the wrong people. Yeah. And you we, have to fight and you have to fight to get your piece of it was I think the unspoken second part of it. Um one of my mentors said that the music business is inherently fucked because it's a whole bunch of creative people trying to do business and the one thing that we don't do well is business because we're creative people. Lord have mercy. Who are you telling? <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out how to, you know, sell myself or whatever. I hate it. It like even like take like the the big music industry out like it's still inherently fucked because that's what you end up with yeah <laughs> well at what point like you're so you're you're coming up in young avenue sound uh, i mean do you start at what point do you need to do you go somewhere else like what happened did you like at what point did this place become necessary i guess is what i'm trying to build to I mean, you're years from there, but like, yeah, well, I, take take me through it because I honestly I, don't even know. I, that's what I'm curious um, about. Okay, so like, I ended up. Um, and I'm sorry for making you like for giving you such a big and open ended question. Yeah, Jesus. All right, how how do we get there quickly? Um, it doesn't have to be quick. No, I know. Uh, so. I like you know I started working with like Dolph real closely and. Um, his career started to grow and like 
you know, especially in like rap and hip hop, like an engineer is like damn near part of the band. You know what I mean? Because yeah. like, if you think about it, like that is the band is like the artist, the producer, producers, and the the engineer, and like. Are and when you're working with him, are you like involved in making the beats and stuff too, or are um, you no, just I are your engineer? You're just my, straight. My up. job was engineering, mixing. Um, yeah. You know, he gave me a lot of, like, creative leeway and freedom as far as, like, arrangements on songs and just doing shit. But, sure. like, you know, like, he, like, a lot of artists that, that, like, great artists that I've been able to work with, like, had a vision and was, like, maniacal about, like, this is my vision and this is what it needs to be. Yeah. Um. But even within that, he used to give me so much creative freedom, you know, because I would, like, top to bottom records for him. Like, I would engineer it. I would be there from like when the song was written until we turned in the masters um, and would be involved in every single process and had my hands on everything but the the mastering. But um, like I started traveling a lot with him and then um, ended up working out of Ardent for a while and I had like a, I guess you could call like an unofficial residency there um, for a few years and then i was just traveling so much for a while that like i was barely ever in memphis and if i was it was to like hang out with my dog you know what i mean <laughs> yeah um and i wasn't really like working much here were, when you were traveling were you like just traveling to other studios with um, Dolph, or were you like doing... sometimes it would be other studios um sometimes we work out of hotel rooms um yeah you know like it would just kind of depend on where we were and what was going on but like I would still try to come back to mix records and then like during that time I found my first mix space which was um it's like it was across from Central Barbecue it's where Unapologetic has their studio now. Oh, okay. Um I had the back of that building for like 5 or 6 years um mixed a man mixed a bunch of records that are called platinum in the back of that building. Um wow. And my but like my control room was like 6 by 8 like six feet by eight feet okay and i had a giant 18 in there and some big ass gentle x minus 10s and a tiny desk and like as much gear as i could cram in there um and like there kind of became like a, a void in like cool studios to work in in memphis especially if you're like a rap artist um for a while there so anytime i was in town everybody would just record it my spot which wasn't really set up for much, but it was just our little clubhouse. Um, and then I finally found a space that would give me the space to do the things that I wanted to do. And that's how we ended up here um, in my my little personal like dojo oasis. Yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, you've got multiple. We're in the what I guess is like the main mix yeah, room here. This is my main like mix room production space. But you've also got like a little writing space and uh, the the Atmos room. Yeah, we got the Atmos studio and you know a wall of gear and stuff back there. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty impressive. Thank you, man. What is it like when you're working with an artist and they start to take off like what is that like excitement and vibe like because i'll be honest with you you know i don't know <laughs> um, it's crazy man um how do you it's like like all of a sudden everything makes sense and it just clicks right like i know you've like seen a band right and been like these guys are about to get signed 
Yeah. And, like, they're going to, like, because you've seen them before, and the show is like, eh, you know what I mean? And then you, like, you see them, and you're like, oh, like, everything makes sense. Like, the carpet matches the drapes, and, like, I have a picture that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? The whole fall, you're like, they're probably about to get signed. And then probably in the next six months, they end up with a, with a label deal. And you're like, yep, I called it. Because, like, you just kind of know. And, like, being around it, right? Like, I honestly didn't realize how much sense it was making until I, like, started going on tours and, like, seeing venues full of people like screaming every single lyric to every song and i was like oh this is crazy and like that's the feeling you know what i mean yeah like hiding on the back of the stage or like in the i would go to the very back of the venue like all the way against the back wall and just watch and like like you know like it's really cool to watch human beings react because like i make the shit in a vacuum yeah you know what i mean like i make it in the studio and nine times out of ten i don't even see how human beings that aren't like part of the studio environment react to it or like people in the music industry and like people in the music industry don't matter it's you know human beings that buy records people in the music industry you know they're given records yeah given records or just you know it's it's not the same thing and like that was when i was like oh shit you know and then you just you know kind of hold on for the ride and hope that you can you can elevate at the same pace as the artist otherwise you inherently get left in the dust yeah was that something you were worried about um not me personally but i busted my ass to like I feel like a lot of the records going through there, like every record sounds better than the one before because we were all figuring out how to do the thing yeah. that we were doing. You know what I mean? Does that change the creative vibe when a project starts to get more successful and all of a sudden things that, you know, budgets are no longer a concern, touring is, is now a, a, an option, so like time is different. Like, how does that change your, your workflow and relationship with an artist? Um... It depends. Um, the great artists don't let it get in the way. Like, because the real trick is to, like, stick to your guns. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you, you got to, like, stick with your gut and, like, the thing that you were doing. Because, like, the thing that you were doing is what made everybody come to you. So, like, a lot of the great artists, I watch them just stick to their guns and then, like, the money just lets us dream bigger lets them dream bigger you know what i mean yeah and you dreamed big enough to build this place yourself um yeah with the help of some very talented people um you know what i mean like really the cool thing about this studio for me is that i like built it with my friends you know what i mean like my guy carl that like helped design the rooms and like ran he's a master carpenter and like ran the builds for both of these studios like man we've been friends since we were 12 you know what i mean it's like one of my best friends on the planet and like basically everybody else that was involved um like i have a personal connection with like the other carpenters that worked on the spot the electrician that does it you know what i mean like and like i had my hands dirty in a lot of it too with the guys um but like it's a whole team of people and it's cool that it's not like 
a faceless team. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting in a space that like I built with my friends. Oh, that's, that sounds satisfying. Yeah. It's great. Like that's the cool part for me, man. You know, like we kind of just dove in and like went for it and I think it turned out pretty cool. Yeah. No doubt. Did you always know that the Atmos thing was was part of, you know, the reason for doing this? Man, for a while I had, um, well, I always figured we would put a second studio in the building, um, but I was doing so much Atmos work, right? And and for for lay people, let's try to explain um, what is Atmos. Okay, Dolby Atmos is um, it's surround sound, right? So you have speakers around you. And you have your LFE, your, your subwoofer element, but then they add what's called height speakers. So you have speakers overhead, you know, like the standard setups are like 714, so seven speakers around you, right? So left, right, center, a left side, a right side, a left rear, and a right rear, and then your LFE, your sub, and then the, the four is four overheads. So like left, top, front, right, top, front, left top rear right top rear and then you can go to a wider setup that's nine around and six overhead so nine one six yeah and that would give you six overhead speakers and the addition of two speakers that are called wideners that just add depth um on the sides um and like i can't uh, imagine trying to mix music for Oh, dude, speakers. It, it's so fun. I mean, you, like a mix is a mix, man. You know, like if you got ears, like your ears will tell you what to do. Um, but you'll have to play me something in that room before oh, we go. Dude, we're we're going to sit in there for a minute. It's a trip. Okay. Um, like I love watching people's faces when they hear Atmos for the first time. It's fucking awesome. Everybody's just like, whoa. And you're the only game in town for this, right? Um, yeah, I have the only studio, I think, outside of Nashville in this part of Tennessee. Wow. Um, Does that get you a lot of a lot of extra work that you wouldn't get? Uh, I built it because for basically every major label song that I mix in stereo, um, I have to. There's an Atmos that needs to be delivered, and um, and you want that work for yourself? Well, yeah, I I, I don't want anybody mucking up my record. <laughs> I feel that. You know what I mean? Um, how how was there a learning curve for figuring out like how to adapt a mix from one to the other or how? Yeah, to... I mean, but you just like you just gotta have ears. You know what I mean? Like like the same. It's the same concepts as far as like the things that make your ears say a record is good and sounds good as a mix engineer. You know what I mean? Like like for me it's like once i hear a record and it, it makes my ear feel a certain way i'm like yo this is right you know what i mean so like i just took the same concept and applied it to atmos you know and then like man i was working out of people's studios and then i was working out of uh my boy leo's space that he had set up in memphis for a minute rest in peace to my boy and yeah. um a memphis legend and uh uh i ended up getting a rig and like i hated it man because this studio right like this space i had a six inch stick of truss right there i had a six inch stick of truss right there or a six foot i mean like going up with a t to do the four overhead speakers i had a center speaker like stuck wedged between all of this shit 
I had tape on the ground for a left and a right that we would bring in where Eric is sitting, where two other speaker stands with the rears. I had the sides like mounted to the truss. This wasn't in here. That made this room feel really tiny. It looked like an engineer like threw up in this room. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like spent all this time <clears throat> planning out this like very feng shui studio. And then, and so I was like, man, I have to get, like I have to build a space for this just cause it was like in the way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we built the Atmos studio and you know, it's still in its infancy really like it just got finished and like announced publicly i guess yeah know? all right i mean is that what people when people inquire or are you getting inquiries about the atmos room um i hope that more local bands will inquire because i think for anybody who's trying to work a record right now like I have I have almost no concept of how important it is to have an Atmos mix. Like I mean, it, Apple Music really is like giving like it's it's a good thing to give if you want like a little bit more push. But also like the tech is like the tech is in its infancy, but it's moving forward. You know what I mean? Like it's the upgradable stereo option in a luxury vehicle now. Gotcha. So like if that. You know what I mean? If we use like car stereo as our barometer for consumer audio electronics, right? Um, if it's an upgrade in a luxury vehicle now, you know what I mean? It's going to be standard in a year or two. And if it's standard in a luxury vehicle, it'll be the upgrade in a standard vehicle. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it'll, it'll be growing. Yes. Like, it's just going to, like, and that's, like, what one of those. What about for home listening? I mean, it's... I mean, for home listening, right, there's, like, it's reproduced by, like, sound bars mm -hmm. do their own interpretation of it. That TV um, does its own interpretation of Atmos out the back of the TV, which is weird, but... Huh. um. Yeah, I have a soundbar. I didn't even realize. Um, so it depends, like, what kind of soundbar you have. And, like, pe a lot of people have, like, the Sonos system. And, like, Sonos plays back Atmos. Um, you know, um, but if you're, like, an audiophile, right, and you have a home theater, <coughs> and you have, say, like, seven speakers in, a, like, a 7-1 home theater setup. Bless you, by the way. Thank you. All you would have to do is add four speakers to your home theater, and chances are your receiver's already capable of outputting Atmos. Hmm. So, like, if you're in that space, you know what I mean? Like, that's really all you have to do is, like, add four satellite speakers up top. And then there's, like, a whole bunch of different tech that creates an immersive experience now. Do you... Uh, I mean, I hate to even... but. Now that you're really versed in Atmos, is it hard for you to go back and just listen to a simple stereo mix? No, I love them both equally for their own their own like reasons. Um, and like such in, as well, because an Atmos mix nine times out of ten is built off of the stems from the stereo mix. So like that's where we start first. So a lot of like the work yeah is already halfway done yeah i mean like the the concept is there yeah. you know what i mean um and then you have to take it and, and interpret it and you know for me it was about like especially with rap music like figuring out how to in a in a medium right that pushes things a little bit further backwards kind of inherently because of the depth right um 
like people call me because my record sounds closer to you um so for me it was about how figuring out how to how to retain the impact of club music in a space that kind of adds its own inherent ambience especially in the headphone interpretation which is how most, how most consumers are going to experience atmos right now is apple spatial um which is apple's interpretation of the multi-channel audio file that it interprets with their headphones like if you have airpods or airpod maxes um you know and there's a whole bunch of stuff that like goes into that but that's like especially for my world um that and like sound bars i guess are like the most common <laughs> you know what i mean the most common ways people are hearing it that's really interesting to me i guess i need to hire you to make some atmos mixes or something dude just sitting there i'll, I'll show you it's it's a trip um you'll be like whoa i'm telling you, it's i love watching everybody's face when they hear atmos for the first time and anybody listening, I probably just put to sleep with all that tech talk. Oh no, man! <laughs> it's a it's an artistic crowd. It's a hip crowd. We're interested. Uh, do you do you have any? It seems like this Atmos is obviously, you know, geared a little bit towards film. Do you have any interest in getting into film scoring? I to, or I would love to get into the film space. All that stuff. Yeah, that's like one of the new adventures. Are you are you working towards that or like how do you how do you work towards getting into the film business? I don't know, man. Make some calls for me. Yeah, I will. I was just during talking, all the strikes is I was the just, worst time in the world. Oh gosh, <laughs> I should have talked to Chris McCoy about the film strike. Like you he, know he what I mean? Like right now, mm, that's on pause. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like that that idea is on pause. Yeah, that didn't. To, that did not power e to them too, man. Did not even occur to me. Like big power to everybody on strike, all my friends that are are fighting hard right now. No doubt. When's the last time you talked to Ryan? Uh, he was here like two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. What's he up to? Being a dad. Being a dad. Yeah. Is he still doing the the pizza place? No. Uh, he's a State Farm. Okay. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, man. He's chilling. Got a beautiful family. No, I, I wish I, I wish I saw him more. Last time I saw him, he was still at the pizza place. Man, he's got the same number. That's cool. I'm, <laughs> I'm a bad friend. <laughs> do you, uh, do you ever get the itch to, to gunsling again? I mean, I, the reason I brought up Ryan is because you guys, you, you guys were in a band together for a Man, while. Man, dude, I like. Do you I, get to gunsling much in the hip hop world? <laughs> I'm such a sloppy guitar player nowadays, dude. Really? Oh my god, yeah. I tell people I used to be a guitar player in a past life. Dude, that that solo you played on my you played lead guitar on a song on my second record called Part of Me. Yes. Um and it's still it's a sick solo, man. I I someone once tried to compliment me on it. And I was like, "No, man. I I can't play that." Damn, dude. Thank you. I can't play that Billy Corgan shit or I've whatever. I've been like getting was, back into um I was like so like I was just traveling constantly and like mixing, you know what I mean, hundreds of songs a year and like it was really hard to like find time um to like want to pick up an instrument. You know what I mean? um so like it's i've really kind of lately been been playing those guys a lot more they've all been like getting love and i'm I'm trying to find my way back into the chops i had in my like early 20s because 
<laughs> it's been a while. Is that, I mean, when you think of yourself, I mean, do you think I'm a musician, I'm a producer, I'm a whatever? I mean, what do you, when, when you introduce yourself as such? Um, I introduce myself usually as like a mixer, producer, engineer, um, you know, and I feel like being a musician is just like a part of all of that. You know what I mean? Because like I still use music. I mean, every I, day. You know what I mean? It's a little like, bit unfair to make a distinction between an engineer yeah, and a musician. That, like yeah, they're different things. You know what I mean? Like, like I use my musical knowledge every day in the studio. Um, you know, so like it's just like it hasn't been coming out of my hands on an instrument as much as it's been coming out like in the in the the post-production on a record or in the production on a record um you know but i play the egg here and there on some people's stuff there you go you know i'm, uh, I'm, I'm a decent egg player which is hard ass instrument to play man no i i, I respect that <laughs> i like to i like to play a little tambo or a little uh shaker on on people's stuff Hand claps foot stomps yeah, yeah i'm here for all of that i call myself the the white jack ashford which is a Motown joke for, for like five people. <laughs> I like that. Uh, so you don't ever miss, like, do you don't ever think like, man, I want to start a rock band and like, you know, and play a show at the high tone or some bullshit like that. Man, do you I miss that world at all? I wish I had time, dude. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, if, if money doesn't buy you something, certainly time does it not? No. No? What money? I have I a studio, know. man. A, <laughs> I guess that you know, I guess that answers that question. <laughs> the studio is a uh there's always something. You know what I mean? We're always tweaking something. Something's always coming out, upgrading something, swapping something around, like that's it. Like this is my this is my back cave, you know. Um and like you know i've been getting to work on cool records with really cool people lately so like it's kind of fun anybody that you've been working with you can you can mention um some cool like memphis artists um like my dude little rudy um he's about to start dropping he's got a new song that's coming um and a whole bunch of stuff and like i'm really excited for what he's got going on man um like dude is so he's so bumping and um yeah a lot of other really cool stuff that i don't think it's my place to say yet That's you know fair. what i mean like as as an engineer like it's not it's not my story to tell first yeah you know what i mean um but lately i've been getting to work on really cool records I, I mean, I imagine once you get a few of those gold records in your wall, you start getting some weird phone calls from people you don't know, like, or not weird, but you know, like interesting phone calls or no. Yeah. Yeah. You get some, some texts nowadays. Right. Interesting. Texts. I'm too old. 44. <laughs> everything get, is a text. You get some super cool faxes. I Dude, bet. everything is a text. <laughs> yes. Um, I get some really, uh, uh, interesting texts from, from time to time. Um, but like a lot of it is just like, like for me, it's like relationships with artists, you know what I mean? Cause like, that's like everything, like there's no, there's no engineer, there's no producer, there's no mixer. If there's no artist, you know what I mean? So it's like really just been like trying to meet really cool, interesting artists and like put the energy out there in the universe that like attracts that. earns their trust. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Um, is there, and I, I don't know, even know how to ask this delicately, but you know, hip hop is obviously a predominantly black space. Uh, is there any challenge in earning the trust as a, as a, you know, as a white guy? Um, as a Jewish guy, as a Jewish man, man. I, um, I stand corrected. Um, I meant no offense man, by lumping the, the, you in with like the his, evils. But of... like, like you just talked about Motown, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. you look at stacks, like, like music, right, is the great equalizer. You know, like, there's a thing about music that that crosses everything. You know what I mean? It crosses every culture, it crosses every barrier. Like, music is music, art is art, and like, yeah, when you're making art with people that ceases to be important um and it it's amazing the people that you can become connected with because like making a record with somebody i mean you've done it it's it's pretty intimate yeah like you know like you're sharing a side especially as an artist you're sharing a side of yourself and like your vulnerabilities that are like it's a very intimate thing you know what i mean like and, and you can mess up a thousand times in the studio and nobody's gonna know that story only you and the producer anyway you know what i mean yeah. and like it's all just part of the journey to the product that connects with people but like so great artists are able to be vulnerable and so like for them it's about finding people that they trust will like understand their vision can execute their vision and that they're like comfortable being that level of vulnerable around you know what i mean yeah um I mean, I remember even in the day when you were engineering for me, I mean, I remember you being very patient with me with vocal takes and with Jack <laughs> for his vocal take and, and very nurturing. Oh man, how's Jack doing? He's doing good. Sick. I just hung out with him a couple nights ago. We both were into baseball cards. So we were, we were trading baseball cards a couple nights ago. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> If you want to come over, I could let you could look through my commons bin too. See if you need me. Oh man, <laughs> I uh, uh, I'm really pissed that my my childhood magic card collection has vanished. Uh, see, I never got into that kind of stuff. The magic or there's there's another one of those games that Marvin Stockwell plays. I forget which one it is, but uh, gosh, yeah, I never I never got into that world. Or or I played a lot of magic as a tabletop kid. RPGs or any of that. Never stuff. did those magic cards though. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Magic the Gathering. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's his, that's the extent of my knowledge of that. <laughs> but you just say Magic the Gathering? Yeah, like, that's, give that, a look, that's the end of like, it. That's what I got. Now, if you want to go into some, like, 89, 90 Don Russ baseball cards, then then I'm, I, we can talk. Unless it's like that, you're a Yankees. I got nothing for you. <laughs> I actually found uh, my Bernie Williams uh, 1990 Don Russ rookie card. Oh man, dude! A, th a few nights ago, I got to meet Bernie because he jumped on stage with Eric Gales a couple years ago at oh, BB wow. Kings, and uh, like, I very rarely like stop and take pictures with people. You know what I mean? Um, like, I still hate myself for forgetting to take a picture when I was like hanging out with Snoop. Like, I'm supposed to have the picture of me and Snoop. You know? Yeah, but like, whatever. Um. I stopped Bernie on his way out. I was like, hey, man, can we take a picture? Because, like, my dad will fucking trip. You know what I mean? Because, like, I grew up on that era of Yankees. Yeah. You know, 34. I mean, that was, like, one of the most dominant yeah. runs in baseball history. 34. Like, I used to spend my summers at Yankee Stadium. Um, you know, going to a handful of games every summer. And, like, oh, man, that era of Yankees, like, that is my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> 
I think I saw that era Yankees. I saw a game at Yankee Stadium in 97, 98. It was the year uh, Ripken was on, was breaking his, uh, oh, breaking wow. the streak yeah, or whatever. That was like the end. It yeah. was like towards the tail end of that whole run of, of Yankees domination. Yeah. They, they whooped up on the Orioles that day. <laughs> Everybody whooped up on the Orioles back then. For sure. Everybody. Well, I mean, we can keep going into '90s baseball, or uh, you got you, you got a list of stuff, man. We, we, we have we have run the list actually. Oh I, wow! I want to hear some. Uh, I want to hear some some Atmos though. Okay. Uh, I don't know if there's a way that we can like you know film ourselves going in there and do something interesting with that, but you know, I mean, you could we could film in there. I don't know what kind of licensing issues you have playing. Yeah, yeah. Song, you know what I mean? Because anything I play would be there would be something we'd have to have permission to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know like where you platform or whatever, but I I, I do that's... put this. I mean, I distribute this through like you know Spotify, Apple Podcasts, yeah. all that stuff. So yeah, if we don't have permission for something, it will get flagged. Yeah. That's gonna flag you, but we could sit in there and absolutely listen to some stuff. Well, that being the case, I guess I will say preemptively, Ari, thank you for letting us come over to the studio and hang out with you. Oh man, thanks for coming by. And you know, the hangout continues. Yeah. Just not for you. <laughs> <laughs> Light is produced by J.D. Rieger, associate producer Eric Wilson. The opening theme is Arthur with two H's. The closing theme is Joey Pegram of Shabadoo. For more episodes, music, and other fine podcasts, visit backtothelight.net.